broken inside me. Oh, yes, you do. Just one word, and you revive every dream. The drummer named his newborn triplet daughters, Anna One, Anna Two, Anna One, Two, Three, Four. Thank you for that. You know, I bet if we all sat down and pulled out a sheet of paper, we could make a long list of reasons worship the Lord. I bet we could come up with a real long gratitude list. I know I could.
Jason. I tell you what, right now we're just going to take a couple of moments to greet the folks around us. And I just want to encourage you to go out of your way to say hi to someone you haven't met yet and help them feel welcome and share your favorite drummer joke with them, okay? All right, folks, let's make our way back to our seat. Man, I love watching y'all connect. And remain standing, and we're going to invite Jesus to be the king of our hearts once again. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. Fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the mountain for my life, oh. 
submit to you, Lord. We want to submit to your Lordship. We want to surrender to you because we know that doing life on your terms, doing life with you, it's the only way. It's the best way. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for being our King. In Jesus' name.
so glad to see you today. Welcome. It's good to see everybody, and it's good being back in the Lord's house today. So I'm going to read our scripture reading. It is Galatians 5, 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Would you pray with me? God, we know that we can't live this fruit without the Spirit. And we know that these beautiful character traits that we desire in our life can only happen when your Spirit is living inside of us and we are submitting and cooperating with your Spirit. And so, Lord, my prayer today is that this fruit of the Spirit would really start growing in our life as a church. That the way we interact with our family, our friends, our neighbors, the way we interact at the store and at work and as we're driving, that we would display the fruit of the Spirit of God. I pray for Gary as he brings your word today. And I specifically pray that this week you would help us grow in the fruit of self-control, that that aspect would really represent Jesus in this community. And we commit this day to you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Joy. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Thank you. All right. Good morning, everybody. So glad to see y'all. Glad you could be with us today. Anybody have a hard time getting up this morning? <laughs> my, my daughter got me up at 545, okay? Uh, <laughs> and I think it took a crowbar to get me out of bed, so a pry bar. Hey, it's really good to be with you. Hey, folks on YouTube, Facebook, we're really glad you're with us today. 
uh, and uh, really glad you could join us. Uh, so this last weekend, we had a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, Caleb and his new wife, Jessica, got married, and uh, it was just fantastic. It was just fantastic um, just seeing how God brought uh, Caleb and Jessica together. Uh, both of them are following Jesus. Both of them are serving in their church and just really, really neat people. I might be a little bit, I don't know, uh, prejudice just because it's my my son and my new daughter in love, not just daughter in law, and uh, but we had a wonderful time. It was fantastic. We had, uh, of course, Faith was here. She left early this morning. She's the one who got me out of bed uh, before she took off back to SoCal. Uh, Cass was there, uh, and then uh, two of Joy's uh, brothers were with us. Uh, Joy's mom, Sylvia, was with us last weekend. She's with us today. Uh, yeah, can y'all say hello? Thank you. Thank you. They're nice. They don't bite. Seriously. Okay. So uh, anyway, but uh, we had a wonderful time. One of her brothers, Phil, his wife, Renee, their three boys were not able to be with us because their oldest son, Will, uh, he had only one weekend. He's one of the schools he's trying to get into is MIT and a couple other schools up in the Northeast. And that was the weekend they gave them to come visit the school. So they weren't able to be there. Otherwise, they would have been with us, too. Uh, Phil and Jess uh, were with us. You, you, you. Some of you remember Phil and Jessica. They were with us uh, back when they used to work with Seeds Family Worship. Uh, now Philip is a worship pastor uh, up in uh, Washington. And uh, But his wife, Jessica, their five adult children were not able to be with us, so we missed them, but it was great seeing them. And then uh, Tim and Lori, Tim, Joy's oldest brother, and seven of their 11 kids were with us. Uh, yeah, I know. So it's like, so, uh, uh, so let's see. Zach was there. He's the oldest. Zach was there. Then Tori, who's the second oldest, her husband, Lucas, they have two little baby girls who are extremely cute. Uh, but they were with us. Uh, and then, uh, and of course, Tori's husband, Lucas, was with us, the girls, Naomi and Jubilee. And then, uh, and then the others were, let's see, we're, we were missing Matt, Emily, Sam, Seth, uh, but we had Ben. Uh, we had uh, Haddon, Zoe, Izzy, and Titus. And I got a great video of Titus. He's six years old, and he was doing the, the floss, I don't know, the dance, whatever, uh, with Grandma, which was fantastic. I caught it all on video, so, and I will sell it to the highest bidder. Uh, but it was, it was just a wonderful time. It was a wonderful time. We've been blessed this last week after the wedding as well, just being able to spend time with Sylvia. Also, to be able to spend some time with my, my daughter, uh, faith, and we went out, did some hiking. It was a great time. So, so we've been doing this series on uh, on Galatians five twenty two through twenty three, looking at the fruit of the spirit, and uh, so we've been working through this. And this is one of the things, you know, what what back in October, and I shared this with you. I was meeting with one of my buddies. We were having coffee together one morning, and you know, I asked him what he was preaching. He said he was doing a series on. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And I asked him why. And he just said, I just feel like in our culture today, we see so much ungrace. We just see a lot of unkindness. We see a lot of anger. Uh, we just see a lot of fear and just, uh, 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 just a, a lack of gentleness. And he said, you know, my concern is I feel like there's very little difference between the church and the rest of the world. That the rest of the world sees a lot of the same unkindness, the lack of gentleness that they see in the overall population. And my belief is it's hard to be witnesses for Christ 
if the world can't look at us and see something that looks very, very different. And so we wanted to do this series about, well, he was doing the series, but I, after praying about it, thinking about it, I talked some with Matt about it, with Joy, with a few others about it, we thought, well, this is something we really need to do. And, and this is something that we've done as a series, uh, but I really think it's something that we need to come back to and talk about again and again and again. And the reason I think we need to do that is because how do we know in our lives whether or not we're really following Jesus? How do we know that we're really following Jesus? And we don't know that we're following Jesus by going to church. A person can go to church and look nothing like Jesus. But if we are living out the fruit of the Spirit, if we are walking by the Spirit and living out the fruit of the Spirit that looks like love, that looks like joy, that looks like peace, that looks like patience and kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then we know that we're headed the right direction. Okay? And we're not talking about living out all those things perfectly, but we're talking about living out those things more and more day by day. That we're not aiming for perfection, but we are aiming for progression. And that's how we want to live, following Jesus, walking by the Spirit. So today we're going to talk a little bit about self-control. Merriam-Webster defines self-control like this. uh, as It defines uh, self-control as restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. Now, for the most part, I think that's probably a pretty good definition. I don't have a problem with any part of that. I think it's, it's pretty good. And I, and I don't know about you, but I know for me that there are some things that, for me, self-control comes quite easy. It, it does. And, and, and some, yeah, well, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but there are some things that, that for me, self-control comes quite easy. Uh, this picture, actually, there's... The picture was cropped. There was a face on the other side of this picture that was my wife's. Uh, but uh, and she was concerned it was going to look like all this food was for her. And, uh, but in reality, it was for the person. I don't know who it was, but it was for the person on the other side of the table, uh, whoever that might have been, okay? Uh, but, you know, I don't know about you, uh, but for me, there are some areas in my life where it's quite easy to exercise self-control. Uh, And then there are other areas of my life where self-control doesn't always come as easy. And so so what about you? I mean, for me, one of the places I struggle with self-control is uh, is at Huckleberry's uh, or probably just about any table where there's really delicious food being served, okay? So I don't know about you, but, but I want you to, and please don't announce it to the church, okay? But just for you, where, what area in your life, where, how is self-control tested in your life, okay? I want you to think about that for a moment. Now, if you don't quickly think of something, there are all kinds of ways that people struggle with self-control. Some of those things are behind many, I believe, of some uh, of, of the, the, the greatest problems that we face in our culture that many people, many uh, families struggle with. And, and I just kind of made a short list, and I came up with drugs. That, that's an area. I think alcohol. I, I think uh, a lot of times people will say, well, I'm not addicted to drugs, but the way they use prescription medication sometimes uh, or misuse pres- prescription medication. Uh, can be a lack of self-control. Uh, I think gambling. 
I think one of the things that's really big in our culture is porn. I think, uh, I think uh, impulse buying, just buying on impulse, spending money when you shouldn't be spending money or spending more than you should be spending. But impulse buying, I think, is a self-control issue. I think overeating. I mean, I'm just going to be real honest with you. It's one of the areas I struggle with, okay? And, and uh, anger, anger, just giving free vent to our anger. I think uh, video gaming is huge in our culture today. Uh, particularly with the older generation. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but video gaming, uh, I think, control. okay, so some of you, you're like, oh, you know what? He started talking about self-control. I can't think of any self-control issues. He hasn't listed anything I really struggle with. How about this one? How about this one? Uh, how, about, how about controlling the tongue? Maybe saying something in a moment that really doesn't edify or build up a person, instead maybe even discourages a person. Is that something you've ever dealt with, struggled with? The Bible says this. It says we all stumble in many ways. Oh, by the way, the word all in Greek, what it means is everyone without exception. That's what it means. All means everyone without exception. Okay? We all, everyone without exception, we all stumble in many ways. Not a couple of ways, not just one way, but many ways. By the way, if you stumble, it doesn't mean you have to give up. It doesn't mean you have to loathe yourself. The Bible says this, the righteous man falls seven times and rises again. The wicked stumble in the time of calamity. The difference is one gets up, the other stays down. Okay? So we're not talking about living perfect lives. We're talking about progressively becoming more like Jesus. But we all stumble. By the way, you know who wrote the scripture I'm reading to you right now? The half-brother of Jesus, James. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault. By the way, he lived with Jesus. Could you imagine having Jesus as your brother? Every time you're in conflict, it's always your fault. This is why I know my sister grew up with Jesus. It was always her fault. We all stumble many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. The tongue is a small part of the body. He talks, James talks about, you know, you look at a ship and it has a rudder on it. The rudder is not a very large part of the ship. But a large ship is turned by a small rudder. And James makes this comparison, and he says this. He says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Now, most of us here are from NorCal, okay? Uh, most of us are familiar with wildfire, right? Anyone like to see a little bit more rain before the fire season gets here? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <sighs> Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Just a small spark. Starts a small fire that gets bigger and bigger, and then it becomes humongous. And it crosses Interstate 80, and it burns parts of Vacaville, and it threatens parts of Fairfield, and it burns the home of one of our families out at Berryessa. This is what happens with fire. Small spark, big fire. 
The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And itself is set on fire by hell. James says this, he says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our God and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. You know, over the last couple of years, I've watched people who are, quote-unquote, evangelical Christian leaders on the radio, in the news, in social media, saying things that are irresponsibly destructive. There's a simple test. A simple test before you post something on Facebook. The simple test is this. Does it edify? Does it edify? Does it edify or does it divide? Man, I have seen division and divisive words, even from people who've attended our church, saying things that are just divisive. Control of the tongue isn't just control of the spoken word. It's control of the written word. Now, maybe you don't struggle with self-control with the tongue. Maybe your name is Jesus, or you're dead, you know. But, you know, what I'm going to say is most of us, most of us, there's probably at least one area where we could say, yeah, you know what, in this area, and and maybe you're one of those people who are very, you know what, Uh, let me tell you this. I'm not telling you this because my mother-in-law is here today. Let me tell you this. I have never, never heard my father-in-law in 30, almost 31 years of marriage, I have never, never heard my father-in-law say anything bad about another person. Never. I just simply have never heard him. Now, it's not he, like he hasn't had opportunity. I know he's had at least one good opportunity with me <laughs> once a lo- very, very long time ago. Okay, But, you know, I've never heard my father-in-law say anything bad about another person. If there's another person who's not present, he never talks about him. Behind their back, he doesn't do that. You know, my father-in-law does have, probably as well as anybody I know, self-control with the tongue. He does, okay? And maybe you're like my father-in-law. Maybe that's not as big of an issue for you, but maybe it's excessive fishing, okay? I'm just kidding. That's my father-in-law loves to fish. That's a good thing. We'll talk about that later, okay? So what is the area where you need more self-control? What, what, what is, first of all, two, two questions here, two questions here. First question is this, what is biblical self-control, okay? And then what does the Bible say about self-control? What is biblical self-control? This is my attempt with a little bit of study and a little bit of thought to come up with a definition. You may not agree with my definition, that's fine. This maybe just gets you started thinking, praying, searching the Scriptures. But for me, as I understand it, I believe that self-control is the ability to live our lives. The things we say, the things we do. It's self-control is the ability to live our lives in a way that is consistent with Christ-shaped values and the power of the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Underline that part, Okay. In the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not willpower. It's God's power. 
and the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the wisdom and determination through the empowering work of the Holy Spirit to regulate our passions. I need to regulate my passions, my desires. To to regulate our passions, desires, our emotions in a way that is healthy and Christ-like. Okay? Uh, it, It is the ability... And I'm not talking about doing this perfectly. I'm talking about progress. Progress, not perfection. Progression, okay? It is the ability to keep your emotions and passions in check. It is the ability to recognize, regulate, and resist. Did you see that? Three R's. It is the ability to, to, to recognize, regulate, resist impulsive behavior that creates injury and pain. Unnecessary injury and pain, either for other people or for ourselves. It is the ability not to, first of all, let me make sure this is very clear. I'm not talking about stuffing your emotions. That is not holy and that is not healthy. I can take you through scripture and I can show you where that's true. Jesus was very emotive. King David, just read the Psalms, very emotive. Very emotive. I'm not talking about stuffing your emotions. I'm talking about regulating your emotions and then expressing yourself emotionally in a healthy way. So what does the Bible say about self-control? Let's look at the Old Testament, then we'll look at the New Testament. Then we'll talk about ways that we can cultivate self-control in our lives. First of all, what does the Old Testament say to us? What does the Bible say to us in the Old Testament about self-control? Uh, a couple of verses here, both from Proverbs. Uh, I love Proverbs. Uh, just great wisdom sayings. Uh, Proverbs in, in Proverbs 16, the Bible says, Better a patient man, better a patient person, rather, than a warrior. Interesting. When was the last time you watched a movie that was about a warrior? Anybody seen a movie recently or, you know, in months past, years past? About a warrior. Maybe it's a warrior for justice, the Batman. You know, Spider-Man. You know, you know what I mean? You know, maybe Superman, I don't know. One of the Marvel guys, one of the DC guys, or women. You know, or, or you know, you've watched a movie like We, uh, we Were Soldiers. I love that movie with Mel Gibson. Okay? Love that movie. We in our culture love to celebrate the warrior. We do. Of course, we want to celebrate the warrior for good, right? But we love to celebrate the warrior. Just, just curious, recently, have you watched a movie where the star of the movie was patient? I mean, do we celebrate the warrior or do we celebrate the patient? Bible says, the Bible says, Better a patient person than a warrior. Better one with self-control than one who takes, conquers a city. See, we like to glamorize the conqueror, the warrior. The Bible says better is the patient person. Better is the self-controlled person. Why is self-control so important for our lives? The Bible says this, Proverbs 25, like a city whose walls are broken through. You know what that means to say a city whose walls are broken through? We don't really build walls around our city. We don't, okay? Now, you may live in a gated community, 
But we don't really build walls around our cities. But in the ancient world, in the ancient world, cities needed walls. Why? Because at, at night, particularly at night, cities were quite vulnerable. That marauders, not just an invading army, but just marauders, robbers, bandits in large groups would attack a city at night and steal, rob, kill. This was, you never knew when it might happen. It's kind of like, anybody ever seen the Magnificent Seven before? With the walls low and stuff, and the marauding bandits would come through and terrorize the villagers. And then, you know, Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen... Stave the day, you know, uh, and Charles Bronson, all those other guys. You know, that, that a city, a city without, whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. What it means is the person who lacks self-control in an area of their lives, they are very, very vulnerable to attack, to being uh, the attack of the enemy. Okay? So what do we see in the New Testament? What does it teach us uh, about, about self-control? A couple of things, a couple of things, and we're not going to look at every verse. I'm just going to look at a couple of different texts here real quick. First one is this, Galatians 5. We've been talking about it for weeks. In Galatians 5, the Bible says, So I say walk by the Spirit, and there's a reason why I want to begin there. So I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Very, very interesting. If you open your Bible, and if you look at... Um, if you look at what comes after this. So I say, walk by the Spirit. You'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then uh, in verse 19, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. That's really a lot about lacking self-control. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Debauchery. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Hatred. Discord. Discord. What's that? It's like withdrawing from people that you don't really like. Um, dissensions. Oh, wait a second. I missed a couple here. Discord. Fits of rage. Just being angry. Uh, uncontrolled anger. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions. Envy. Drunkenness. Orgies. And the like. Uh, there's a guy his name's Christopher Wright. Uh, uh, I've talked a little bit about him before. You've heard me quote him. But Christopher Wright believes that every one of these issues goes back to the issue of self-control. And he makes a very, very good case for it in his book, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit. Oh, where am I at? Okay. Uh, Galatians 5. So I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's very, very interesting. I just want to pause here for a moment. I want to make a, uh, a comment. And I want to, it, it, when you look at, the, at the, the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, there's something that you should be paying attention to. Hopefully you've been noticing this over the last nine weeks. You, you should notice that the fruit of the Spirit begins with what? Love. Why do you think the fruit of the Spirit begins with love? What do you think? Covers all of it, right? It's kind of like the foundation. Kind of like the foundation. Uh, you know, if the foundation isn't good, the rest of the building isn't good. Okay? If the foundation is in trouble, the house is in trouble. 
the fruit of the Spirit really begins with love, but it ends with, it ends with self-control. Why do you think the fruit of the Spirit ends with self-control? Yeah. Maybe because it's the thing that most of us deal with the most. Maybe, maybe love is the foundation stone, and maybe, maybe self-control is the capstone. That's not just a Gary idea. I think I stole it from someone, several people. I can't remember who. Uh, but it's 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 all it it brings it all together. It's like bookends that hold the stack of books together. Okay, love and self control. Um, what else does the Bible teach us about self control in the New Testament? This is what the Bible says in Titus chapter two. I love this text on self control. Love it. Simply love it. This is one I could camp out on. But Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and there's a lot more to this. You read the, if you want to read about self-control, read the book of Titus. It shows up there, I can't remember how many times, but a whole lot. By the way, it's really interesting. Titus talks about who needs to work on self-control. You know what he says? Or it's not Titus who writes Titus. It's Paul who writes Titus uh, to Titus. But, but in the book of Titus, the Bible tells us that, first of all, it says older men. It says older men need to work on their self-control. That's what, what it says. And then a few lines later, it talks about, guess what? Guess what? None of the ladies in this room, but it talks about older women. Older women, whoever they are, okay? It talks about older women. And then it talks about, oh, by the way, what older women are supposed to teach younger women? Guess what? What are older women supposed to teach younger women? Self-control. That's what it says. And then finally, you know who else it talks about? Younger men. The point is, is that pretty much everybody needs to work on it. Old, young, male, female. It's something we all need to work on. And I love the way, I love the way Paul talks about it here. Because he says this, for the grace of God. What is grace? unmerited favor, undeserved favor. I I really like the way I heard one guy explain it one time. He said, unexpected kindness. You know that moment where you expect to get what you deserve and you unexpectedly get kindness? That's what grace is. See, grace, God's grace for you and me, what kind of grace is that? It's the kind of grace that offers salvation to all people. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us. See, it's the grace that brings salvation that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It's not shame and guilt. It's grace. When people get buried under shame and guilt, they don't usually get better. It drives people deeper into addiction like like uh, drug and alcohol abuse or any other kind of addiction. It is grace, only grace. There is no more powerful force in the universe than this, the grace of God. Some people, they try to address moral issues moralistically. The Bible says that moralism is a false gospel. 
Legalism is a false gospel. Moralism will not deliver you. Legalism will not deliver you. But grace, only grace, rightly understood, rightly applied, can save a person. Oh, I'm sorry, am I preaching? It, it teaches us grace that brings salvation, offers salvation to all people. You know what all means? Everyone without exception. Sometimes Christians like to talk about those people. They do. Sometimes evangelicals like to talk about those people. People that they have contempt for because of their sin. This is what the Bible says. It says this, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, every kind, regardless of where we come from, what we've been through, or what we've done. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled. Self-controlled, wow, there's an interesting word. Who would have thought that would show up there? See, it's grace that teaches us self-control. To live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. A person can live a disciplined life and lack self-control. Did you know that? You can live a disciplined life. You can live a moralistic life. By the way, that's not the same as self-control. Moralism is the greatest enemy to the gospel in our world today. It is the reason Jesus was in conflict with the, with the Pharisees over and over and over again. You can live a disciplined life, a moralistic life, a toxically religious, legalistic life without grace and without salvation and face eternal torment. But you cannot live a self-controlled life. You cannot live a self-controlled life. You cannot feel, you cannot live an upright life. You cannot live a truly godly life apart from the saving grace of God. We're not talking about rigid moralism. We're talking about something way better, way more attractive than that. So how do we cultivate the fruit of the Spirit that looks like self-control? I'm going to give you, I know, six points. This is terrible. I apologize. Six points. I think they're important. I think these are important steps to live by. You may not agree. That's fine. Okay? But maybe to give you something you can work with that will help you. Six things, six life points to live by. Number one, remember that everything begins and ends with the saving grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not willpower. It is God's power. By the way, I I know this sounds un-American, but did you know the word willpower never occurs in the Bible? Did you know that? How many words are in the Bible? You think that's an accident? Oh, I, darn, it slipped my mind, God says. I should have put willpower in there. Crap, I'll put it in the next edition. No, no. 
the Bible never talks about willpower, but you know what it does talk about? It talks about God's power. Did you know that? It does. See, it's not willpower. It's God's power. Everything begins and ends with the saving grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. See, the better we understand grace, the better we understand the saving work of God, the better we apply that to our lives, the better we walk by the Spirit. Little by little, day by day, we begin to see more and more the fruit of the Spirit that looks like love and all those other things and self-control. It comes not so much through trying. I do think it comes through training and walking daily, um, hand in hand. With the Holy Spirit. Number two, identify your problem area and state the value you want to shape your life. Okay, what I mean by this is this, okay? So let's just pretend for a moment that my struggle is with my words because I read a long text about the tongue earlier, okay? Let's pretend like every once in a while I can have a sharp tongue. Just saying. I mean, this is all pretend, okay? Let's just pretend that every once in a while I have a sharp tongue, okay? Then what do I want as kind of a value for myself. What would you want? If you struggle with a sharp tongue, what would you want for yourself? Well, I, okay, I'll, I'll tell you. I, 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 want, I want to use words that build up. That's a phrase, not a word. But I want to use words that build up. I want people to walk away from me being, feeling, edified, and, and built up. Not jabbed, not discouraged, not beat up. I want my wife to feel gentleness in my words, encouragement, edified. I want my children, my adult children, I don't feel comfortable calling them children anymore because they're not. But I want my adult descendants uh, to feel built up by their dad, encouraged, like they are stronger and better and healthier because of how I speak into their lives. That's what I want. That's what I want. I, I texted Faith a long text this morning so she could read it while she's driving to Los Angeles. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but I texted her a long text just because I wanted to build her up. But that's what I want to be true in my life. You know, if it's a person who struggles maybe with drugs, alcohol, they want to be sober. If it's a person who's struggling with porn, they want to be pure. If it's a person who struggles with anger, they want to be patient, kind, gentle. If it's a person who struggles with overeating, they want to be characterized by, by healthy eating. Not by not eating, but by healthy eating. Eating healthy. Um. So for me, identify a problem area and then state the values you want to shape your life. By the way, and I didn't say this. I probably should have said this. And then list the reasons why you want that to be descriptive of you. See, when you know the why, you know the why and you feel the why, the what becomes a little bit more palatable. Does that make sense? When you know why you want to speak in a way that builds up your kids, it, it, it helps you with the what. Identify your problem area. State 
the value that you want to shape your life. Number three, identify your trigger, your trigger points. Okay, your trigger points. What are trigger points? You, you, you see this word steal. Okay, uh, this may or may not apply to you. Uh, it applies to me. I tend to struggle a lot more with temptation if I'm feeling sad. Or let's say I'm feeling tired. Let's say I only get like four hours of sleep that night. I wake up, I feel a little bit more irritable, so I can be sharper in tone. If I'm feeling sad, if I'm feeling tired, if I feel empty, like on a Sunday afternoon, it's not uncommon for me to feel empty. Pastors love to ridicule each other on Sunday afternoons. You know, At one buddy of mine, that whenever one of them would preach in their church, they would always come up to the other one and say, embrace the emptiness. But if I feel sad, if I feel tired, if I feel empty, if I feel anxious, if I feel anxious, maybe about one of my kids, maybe about someone in our church, maybe something that's going on. When I feel sad, tired, empty, anxious, or when I feel lonely. By the way, anyone in leadership understands that sometimes you do feel lonely. It's just, it just kind of comes with, with what you do as a leader. Now, see, if I'm struggling with one of those things, it's not a big deal. Typically, it's not a big deal for me. If I'm struggling with two of those things, I am a little bit more likely to struggle. If I'm struggling with three of those things, I need to get on the phone with one of my allies, one of my friends, one of my buddies, and to say, hey, would you pray for me? Just today's not a good day, or this week is not a good week. Would you pray for me? You know, it, but in, in, it depends upon what it is. I mean, it could only be one thing anxious, but the thing that you're anxious about is huge. Then you might need to call a buddy and just say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm really struggling with this. So identify your trigger points. Number four, pay attention to your feelings and desires. Monitor your thoughts and your feelings. By the way, be, be very mindful of negative self-talk. Very mindful of negative self-talk. Be very mindful of the desires you're feeling, the passions you're feeling, the emotions you're feeling. The more aware you are, the more you can shape them and move in a direction that's healthy, that's holy, that benefits everyone. So pay attention to your feelings and desires. This is where journaling can help. But learning how to be uh, self-aware. Number five, enlist allies to encourage you uh, and pray for you. You know who does this exceptionally well? AA. They do it. They are, the church would be, we would have so much more impact if we emulated what I have seen in AA and Celebrate Recovery. They are fantastic. They are fantastic at when someone is sharing and they're saying, you know, I blew it this week or I'm hurting or I'm struggling. You don't have someone in the group saying, well, you shouldn't struggle with that. You shouldn't feel that way. I hear Christians moralize feelings, and it concerns me. Feelings are a part of life. It's part of what makes us human. God feels. When we shoot away feelings, it's just not healthy. But with I see in AA, they are fantastic at if you're struggling, you call a friend. And then you call another and another and another. And when you get a friend, they're like, I am so sorry you're struggling with that. How can I help? What can I do? Let's go grab lunch. Let's go grab dinner right now. Let's go. Let's go get coffee right now. Let's go. They are really good at that. And I believe that we could really learn from them in this. 
You know, I, I've got a group of buddies, my friends, that we have been connecting for a long time. We have. I mean, I've just done this for years. I've done this since I was seminary. Nobody told me I was supposed to. I was just something I did and has had so much benefit to my life. And I have several friends of mine, and one of the things that me and my buddies do is we do something like, it's called Covenant Eyes. Any of y'all hear of this before? I've been using Covenant Eyes probably for 20 or 25 years. If not Covenant Eyes, I think before there was Covenant Eyes, I was using something else. But basically what it is, is it's a filter for anything that you might see online, whether on your computer or on your telephone. It acts as a filter. And the other thing it does is it takes pictures. So whatever I am, if I'm watching YouTube videos on Arkansas, which is what you see up here right now, okay, or maybe it's Penn State, okay? But if you're watching, if you're watching whatever, you know, whatever you're using your computer for, my sermons are up there too. Don't get me wrong, okay? It's not like this is all I do, okay? But it takes pictures of everything. And I've got four different buddies who get it every week. Every single week, okay? But see, it's not just the, the software. It's not just the pictures. It's not just the accountability. It is the encouragement. It is having a group of guys that you can call. This is something I remember a few years ago. I heard uh, some of y'all have heard of Craig Rochelle. Fantastic guy. Fantastic preacher. Fantastic. I remember he was talking about he has this on his computer. He has it on his phone. And someone made the comment, you mean you have so little self-control? You need that on your computer, your phone? He said, well, 99% of the time I don't. But 1% of the time I do. And I want to be ready. And I, I, for me, I just think it's something that's wise. I think for many, not just men, but I think many women, porn has become a huge issue, not just for men, but for women as well. But I, I think that, but the point here is this, is it's not the software I'm talking about, it's the allies. See, this is what I see so often, is I'll see men who have buddies. They have buddies. I guess women do this too. But, but with men, we'll have fishing buddies if we like to fish. We have golfing buddies if we like to golf. If we like to ride cycling, we have riding buddies. But what we need to work on is friendship. Friendship. See, who can you call at 2 a.m. in the morning and say, I'm struggling? Who can you call at 2 a.m. in the morning and say, I totally blew it? Who can you call and say, would you pray for me? And they're not going to say, you lousy idiot. I don't ever want to talk to you ever again. No, you're talking to someone that says, you know, I'm really sorry. How can I help you? Can I pray for you? I just think that that is something, you know, if a man tells me this is his wife, he does this with his wife, I'm going to tell you, your wife wishes you also had a man, friend. By the way, part of being a man is being a friend. You don't get your man card too, you get a friend card. It's being a friend, it's having friends. All right. Enlist allies to encourage you, pray for you. Number six, track and celebrate your progress. You know, it's so easy for me to call in, into mind all the times I've blown it. I remember years ago, 20 years ago, I remember a careless word I spoke to my daughter, Cassidy. Still remember it. Guilt and shame doesn't help me get better. 
And this is something I've struggled with, is I will struggle with guilt and shame. Guilt and shame doesn't help us. Grace does. And one of the things that I have found to be very helpful, and a lot of other people have as well, well, is when you track your progress and you celebrate your progress. See, this is one of the things, again, we learn from AA, our Celebrate Recovery, our other recovery groups, is they track their progress. Anybody have a week clean and sober? And if you raise your hand, the other guys are like, yay, they're clapping for you. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't clap in church. Forgive me, please, okay? But they're clapping for each other. Anybody got a month clean and sober? A guy raises his hand. Yay, way to go, buddy. Way to go. How many of you have too much? They're clapping for that guy. They're clapping for that woman. How many of you have three months, four months? How many of you have a year? And they're clapping. Two years, they're clapping. Five years, ten years, thirty years. Wouldn't you love to have thirty years? In whatever area that you struggle with with self-control, wouldn't you love to have thirty years? Tracking and celebrating progress. This is all helpful. Okay, so... Uh, for me, uh, these thoughts, these ideas may or may not be helpful for you. If they're not, I apologize. But hopefully there's one or two of these things that can really help you get on track. Um, self-control. Uh, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's the result of walking in fellowship with the Spirit. It's only possible because of the grace and saving work of God. That, that if you want to grow in self-control, you need to remember everything begins and ends with the saving grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, you need to identify your problem area, state the value you want to shape your life. Third, identify your trigger points, which may or may not be mine. Four, pay attention to your feelings and desires. Five, enlist allies to encourage you and pray for you. And then six, track and celebrate your progress. Let's pray. God, you are awesome. You are great. You are good. You are gracious and you are merciful. God, we are so grateful that you have saved us, not because we deserved it, but because we needed it. That you have saved us by your grace and by your mercy and by your love. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Holy Spirit, we want to walk in fellowship with you day by day. We want to uh, live in fellowship with you. We want to be taught by you. We want to be empowered by you. And we want to see more and more your fruit of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Good morning. Thank you, Gary. That was awesome. Good morning, church. My name's Jen, and I am a grateful believer of Jesus Christ. I can connect with the self-control because I have experienced that. I still don't have full self-control. But what Gary was just saying, I can say today I have three years clean and sober. Yes. Yes. So, um, and, I, and I could not have done it on my own. It was God who delivered me. So I want to say, though, on that note, Just like Gary said, we don't have willpower is not going to do it for us. It's God's power that's going to do it for us. Our job is to examine our heart. Our job is to pray and ask God, please reveal to me, do I have a problem in this area? And he will do that in his timing. 
It might be a little while. You might struggle with that thing for a while. You might keep coming back to it. But you keep praying and asking God to point it out to you and help you, and he will deliver you from that thing because he sees what we desire in our heart, and he wants that for us. So I would encourage you to just keep looking. Like I have to keep examining where I'm lacking at because I still lack, and I have to keep checking and checking and checking, you know. And when I can find those blemishes, that's when I can then connect with God and ask him to help me with that self-control issue or that whatever issue it is he will be there to help us but we have to seek him out and we have to identify it so um changing directions i don't have a drummer joke but i do have a cow joke okay um what is a cow with no legs ground beef thank you all right so okay so um a couple of things first thing i want to talk about is connection, which is one of our core values as a church. Uh, we are just so excited that we have our greeting time back. We have our coffee and refreshments back. That's all part of connecting. I would encourage you guys to participate in that. Um, another way you can connect is by joining one of our ministry teams. Or throughout the week, we have small groups that meet. Our connecting shouldn't just be Sunday mornings. It should be going on all week long. So even through phone calls, through text messages, emails, we want to be a church that connects with each other. So if you haven't joined a small group or if you are interested in a ministry team, please see our website or our phone app for information on both of those things. Also, uh, you can connect with Gary or Matt for a cup of coffee or in Gary's case, a big plate of food. I'm sure he would love to do that with you. Um, they would love to connect and talk. If you have questions about something that's on your, on your spirit, Call them. Reach out. They would love to talk to you about that. Uh, Okay, so moving on. Next week, we're done with our fruit of the spirit, though we do want to keep living it out. So we're not going to just put it in a basket and leave it on the stage. We're going to keep living it out. But Gary's going to start a new series in Exodus, and it's going to be entitled The Road to Freedom. Uh, We would encourage you guys to join us so we can learn about how God delivered his people from slavery. So please join us for the next few weeks for that study in Exodus. Um, Tonight, we're going to be doing our revival prayer here at 630. That is an opportunity for us to meet corporately as a body to pray together for our community, our country, our world, our household, our schools, everybody. Everybody needs prayer. So I I encourage you to come. If you don't like to pray out loud, we don't make you do that. You can pray quietly to yourself. But where there's people together praying to God, he comes and meets us there. So I would encourage you to join us in that. Uh, We have an annual business meeting coming up on March 27th. That's going to be after our service. Um, And we're also going to be doing our voting during that time. In order to vote, you guys need to be a member of our church. If you're not sure of your membership status, we have a list of our current members on that back table by the door. I would encourage you to check that. If you've never become a member of our church and you're interested in doing that, next Sunday on the 20th, we're going to be having a membership class right after service. It'll be short and sweet. But that is a way for you to find out about becoming a member of our family church here. Uh, let's see. Oh, and the last thing. All right. Lastly, we're going to do our worship through giving. Uh, before we close out our service this morning, we're going to worship God with our offering. There's five different ways to do this. Number one, you can visit our website at solanovalley.org backslash giving. You can tap the give button on the SVC app. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. 
you can text the word GIVE to 707-883-3019. And if you're here in person, in the words of Jet Kenti, you can stash your cash in the slot in the back of the building there. Uh, we just want to thank you guys so much. I hope you have a great week. We are so glad to have Sylvia here with us all the way from Oklahoma. If you haven't met her yet, please do so. She is a treasure. Thank you. All right, let's stand, church. Sylvia, thank you for coming out just for the service today. Appreciate that.